the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Many of us have watched and enjoyed a TV show called The Chosen. I'm assuming that some of you have seen this show. And uh, as you may guess, I'm of two minds about it. Of two minds about it. On the one hand, I like it. On the other hand, I'm puzzled by why they add all this non-biblical stuff to the story they don't need to. Doesn't make any sense to me. And when they stick to it, I kind of like it. It's not perfect. This is not going to be a TV show review, by the way. But, uh, you know, part of me kind of likes it, thinks it's nice. Part of me is sort of upset with it and wants to write letters. One thing caught my attention, though, that made me like it a lot less. <laughs> a quote by the author and director who said this. He tweeted this. Here's the quote. People keep saying the transfiguration would be an important scene, but I'm confused why. What purpose would it serve our story? <laughs> I read this last night at Vespers. So I'm going to take a minute to, to talk about what purpose it served the story and why it's an important scene. And um, honestly, we probably shouldn't fault Dallas Jenkins or whatever his name is. Forget his name. Dallas something. He's got a good name. But... Uh, um, because he just doesn't know better. It's like complete ignorance. Somehow he's missed how important the transfiguration is. It's like a bummer. Like, I'm sure there's some footnotes in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel that talk about the importance of it. But we sang last night something that should all knock us, knock our socks off. Listen to this. Verily, he who spoke of old to Moses by symbols on Mount Sinai, saying, I am who I am hath manifested himself today on Mount Tabor to his disciples. Showing in himself the beauty of the element of the first image by taking unto himself human substance. And he raised as witnesses for this grace Moses and Elijah, making them partakers in his joy and precursors of the gospel of emancipation through the cross and the resurrection of salvation. That sounds like it's really important, you know? It basically covers everything we could hope for. But the beginning should be enough to get a TV show made. He who spoke of old to Moses is the one transfigured before his disciples. I mean, this is an incredible thing that's happening on, on the mountain and what it's revealing to us. Jesus is the word of God, you know? Begotten of God before only begotten of God before all the ages. Incredible. And he's revealing himself to his disciples and to us. Quite a thing. Our new Metropolitan Saba recently sent some reflections on the Feast of Transfiguration, and he called it this, the Feast of Glory. The Feast of Glorification of man's glorification by his return to how he was in paradise before the fall of Adam and Eve. Indeed, it's the return to perfection of glory that they would have attained had they not fallen. We are created for divine glory. We were created to shine with the weight of this glory. Peter, James, and John are on the mountaintop. Jesus is transfigured. He's so bright they can't look at him. Peter 
not having its wits about him, says, as he sees Moses and Elijah with Jesus, Lord, if you want, I'll, bring, I'll build three booths, you know. And if the gospel says something like he didn't know what he was saying, you know. It's like this was a time to not be talking, but he didn't realize it somehow. And then they're enveloped in a, in a bright cloud, it says. In a bright cloud. And then the voice of the Father says, this is my beloved son. Listen, listen to him. Listen to him. They're on the ground. And then everything's kind of gone. It's just Jesus with the Peter, James, and John. And it doesn't say in the gospel passage we read today, I think it was Matthew, we, it doesn't say Jesus told them not to say anything. It normally, that's how these things go. Jesus says, don't say anything. Don't say anything until after the resurrection or just don't, don't speak of this. But this time it says the disciples did not speak of this. They were so blown away. They're like, we don't have to be told. This is just beyond, you know, something amazing. I would say to us, and there's more to say, but for all of us who have been in some darkness, whatever that might be, it can be pretty dark. It can be just the darkness of some, like a hint of depression or despair. It can be something more serious. It can be the darkness of sin. It can be the darkness of whatever. Whatever we've experienced, whatever might be in our hearts now, the call of the Lord by being transfigured is for us to come into the light, to us to come into that cloud that's bright with the Father, to be with Jesus as he's transfigured, like to let ourselves be brought to awe and silence, to hand over the darkness to the light. You know, darkness cannot exist when there's light. You flip the switch on, that's it. There's no battle. Light just does away with the darkness. Let us go into the light with Christ. So Metropolitan Saba, he goes on to say, there's glory, and then there's glory. Glory of the world and glory of the kingdom. Glory of man and glory of God. Momentary glory and eternal glory. Outward glory and inner glory. Glory that rejects the cross and glory that's established upon the cross. We know earthly glory is passing away just by definition. It's a mirage. It's the cause of perdition. And yet we kind of keep going for it all the time and hurt when we don't have it and someone else does. The promised glory, the glory of man's transfiguration in God's life is the perfection of the image with the divine likeness. It's lasting, it's lasting glory. And it's the reason for the creation of man. If glory does not exist, Metropolitan Saba goes on, then what justifies human life? If this glory doesn't exist, what justifies human life? What makes people bear their personal suffering and the suffering of others? And what gives them the capacity, the capability, to continue with the painstaking effort of life? That divine purpose of glory. You know, there's a weight to glory. That divine purpose has weight to it. It has mass. It is substantial. And we long, all of us long, the whole planet, every person, Christian or not, Orthodox or not, longs for glory. We get turned aside to something that's passing and weak, earthly glory, but we're all made for this divine glory. It's the, it's the human person made in the image and likeness of man. We're meant for something more, and we all kind of hunger for it and long for it, get frustrated when we don't see it. 
The glory that God has promised us is to partake of the inheritance of the saints. It's the glory of holiness, which God has made possible through the cross. St. Paul, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. And again, this is his letter to, second letter to Corinthians. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Whatever we put up with now, we can keep our eyes on an eternal weight of glory. What we really long for. Moses and Elijah spoke with him of his death, which was about to be accomplished at Jerusalem. Christ's death is intimately tied with the glory of the transfiguration of Christ. We even heard this morning as we were doing Orthros that we were singing the Karabasia for the cross today. So it's, it's the transfiguration, but we're singing about the cross also. Because that those two are so connected. Christ's death is intimately tied to the glory of the transfiguration because Christ is glorified in his death. Incredible. So transfiguration, just as a liturgical note, it comes 40 days before the Feast of the Cross. Like even this, it's like transfiguration is not just like, well, let's plop it down during harvest season. We'll ask people to bring grapes and fruit. You know, it's like it happened during harvest season and the church remembers the cross, like just adds the cross to this. You know, we're going to remember the cross again, obviously in Lent. We go big on it. But this little three-week season of the cross that'll come up in September, 40 days from now, it's tied to this. Because Christ's glory is revealed not only on the mountain, but intimately it's revealed and for the whole world on the cross. The unveiling of his divine glory confirms that Christ's imminent death is not something forced on him by outside powers. It's a free offering of love from Christ. It makes me sad. I should write the writer and director of that TV show. But what do you mean? What do you mean you don't get what, why it's important? You know? It's just right here. It feels like it's like a little Pascha. It's so valuable. It's so much our life. And it reveals so much that Christ has come to us out of love. And he covered that glory so we could just be with him and see him. You know? And when he revealed it, it was too much. And we actually sing, they saw it as much as they could bear to see it. So how much did they see? Only what they were like, being, like could handle. Was there more to see? Yeah. <laughs> there was more to see. Could they see it? They couldn't handle any more than they saw. Which what? Left them like on the ground. The Lord is so kind to us. At the feast, the Apolitikian were singing... When you were transfigured on the mountain of Christ God, you revealed your glory to the disciples as much as they were able. The disciples saw to the degree they were able to see the Holy Spirit had not yet rested on them. That's to come soon enough. He'll show his disciples the transformation that will happen to mankind in his kingdom in heaven when they will enter into glory. For whosoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For the Son of Man will come in glory with his Father and the angels, and he will reward each according to his works. The transfiguration, then, is a sample of man's natural state. What's happening when the Lord reveals himself? It's the first thing I read, like, that we sang last night. When he reveals himself, as we see what Adam and Eve 
would have been what we would be had we not fallen. There's a weight to glory of the human person made in the image and likeness of God. And we have then throughout all of the ages, the last 2,000 years, all these saints that have experienced this light, this transfiguration light, this light from heaven. Saint Seraphim of Sarah being one of many. There's all these saints like on Mount Athos and other places that are praying and they come out of their cells thinking it's the middle of the day. And they have to be told, no, no, it's like midnight. You know, you're waking everybody up, go back to bed, you know. Because they were just, their eyes were not like adjusted to like earthly light because they'd been in the heavenly light. Saint Seraphim, he enters in this long conversation with this peasant farmer guy and, and uh, the snow is falling on him and they're not cold. And the man is asking him about the light of God and he goes, we're in it right now. You know, the guy didn't fully have eyes to see it. But Saint Seraphim was like used to this light. We don't, by the way, try to like see this light or figure out how to make this light happen. I'm going to pray six hours and then God will make this light shine around me. We don't like, the Lord just does what he wants. Sometimes the light comes. It's just whatever. The grace of God comes and goes like the wind. So transfiguration, we'll end with this, pulls back the cover. Transfiguration is Jesus pulling back the cover. We can see him as he is. And it's amazing that he would do this when things have the weight of glory, we cover them. He was covering that glory and he decided to reveal himself to the disciples as much as they were able. The altar has glory and we cover it. The gifts have glory and we cover them. When we do the great entrance, the gifts will be covered as we come out. The gospel is covered. Things with glory, with the weight of glory are covered. May God make us worthy to seek his glory, to leave behind darkness and stand with him in light, confessing our sins, to be forgiven, you know, in that light. Let's do everything we can to avail ourselves of the transfiguring glory of God. And may he have mercy on us and transfigure us in glory. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.